Is there a tale to be told? No, no, no. It's just, uh, it's just been a long week. I'm on my own this week, and so uh, yeah, it's all a bit fraught getting things organised and and all that. But uh, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Has it been a a busy week work-wise? Yeah. Is yeah. It's 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 really busy, and I lost a uh, I lost a day this week because um, a childminder was off, so I had to look after kitty oh, uh which was yeah. a, which was a pleasure but um just means i've lost a day's work yeah yeah um and uh yeah i haven't had any time to myself because i've been working the evenings but um so i've literally just sat down and um i've bunged some notes in but i haven't i'm not very well prepared so you'll have to carry me this week <laughs> well I, I think we'll be fine yeah i'm still trying to work yeah. out what we're talking about Right. Well, uh, do you want to enjoy, introduce the uh, the episode? I think it's your turn. We'll do it at the front rather than the, at the end tonight. Yeah. Welcome to North v South, the podcast that is and isn't about design. Um, I'm Jonathan Elliman, and my partner in crime is Rob Turpin, and it's episode 38, is it? 38. Have I already said that? Yeah, it is. No. Yeah. I don't know, but it uh, is. Crikey, we've done a lot. We have. We've... Uh, yeah, we're doing all right, aren't we? I, you know, we say this every now and again, but I didn't think, I didn't think we'd get this far. One show for every listener. <laughs> um, uh, so, what you been up to? Uh, mine, I've been in Shoreditch again this week, um, which has been quite nice. Um, the work has been not massively exciting. Sort of retail stuff, brand guidelines, and artwork for magazine ads and. Uh, store in-store stuff yeah but you know that's fine but the working in Shoreditch has given me the opportunity to start reading again which has been really good so I read Slade House by David Mitchell last week um, which was the one I couldn't remember of his that I'd bought when we were talking about David Mitchell oh, okay, yeah. have you read Slade House yeah I loved it did you like it yeah it's brilliant isn't it yeah I did it's the first one of his I've read so oh. Um, it was quite a surprise, really, at how it was kind of all structured. And but um, brilliant, really enjoyed that. Yeah, he's a lot and more sci-fi reading. than people give him credit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's very much a, a genre novel, really, isn't it? Just you know, beautifully written, hmm. really interesting sort of concepts and things. So I'm looking forward to reading more of his. And then um, also this week. We're going to be talking about cultural black holes later. And I've been filling one of mine by reading A Short History of England by Simon Jenkins, um, which is a really good book if you've got a tenuous grasp of English history like I have. Pretty much at school I just did um, modern history. So I haven't sort of touched on, you know, the Plantagenets or Tudors since primary school, really. And... uh, in my head, it's just a muddle of Henrys and Edwards and Richards. So it's a really good book for it. Uh, kind of just point you in the right direction of stuff. It's a real romp. It's quite short and it's, you know, it doesn't um, kind of dwell on any one bit for particularly long. You know, the, the Civil War takes sort of 10 pages. So it really does fly through it, but it's good. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to give, so that, a, a, give that a look sounds yeah, like a short, a short history of the a, world but H.G. Wells wrote have you read that one that's a kind of okay. world one I'll quite good yes yeah. romp through history um, I was just thinking with your kind of medieval literature background the first sort of third of it might be um, really sort of skimming across your deeper knowledge <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't say that <laughs> It told me it's told me a lot I had I didn't know. But one thing that popped out of me today was it was talking about Charles the Second and his uh, some of his supporters and their names being Clifford Arlington, Buckingham, Ashley and Lauderdale, which donated the word cabal to the English language. Brilliant. Their initials, which I didn't know. Brilliant. Which was amazed to me. That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, really good. 
Uh, yeah, so that's good. And um, I've been listening to a lot of Philip Glass, who I've kind of, he's one of those composers that I've heard bits and pieces of every now and again. And I knew that I kind of liked a bit of his stuff. I'd probably seen a documentary on Einstein on the beach and heard bits. Um, and I don't know why, but I, I decided to listen to the whole thing. So there's like five hours of Einstein on the beach, um, which was just marvellous, completely exhilarating music. And not music that, you know, I don't really like. We'll talk about that later, but I don't really know classical music. And I think I'm a bit lazy when it comes to things that are quite challenging. So it surprised me that I absolutely loved every minute of the five hours of a contemporary opera. So it's been quite a good week for, you know, my brain. If not for my, if not for the commute, which uh, has been shocking again because of the trains. Well, I think I'm probably at the other end of that scale of uh, just being with a two-year-old for a week. <laughs> <laughs> Have you forgotten how to uh, to converse? I've I, I've been eating with her, uh, you know, early, um, just to get it all yeah. out of the way, and um, so I've been eating, but uh, you know, baby food as well. Well, not baby food, but you know, fish fingers and chips and stuff, and um, yeah, and eating with her, which is a, which is an experience in itself. Yeah. Um, now, what else have I been doing? Um, I've, I'm reading a design book. I thought I'd take the plunge. I've bought Excellent. some unit editions, um, which is Adrian Shaughness's imprint. I think he's he heads it up, does he? He's definitely involved in yeah, it's it quite him heavily. And, oh, what's the other guy called? Tony. Uh, I can't remember. Right. Tony Brook. Tony Brook. Spin. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I've just seen that they've just released their a new book today. It's just, they've just had some some uh, printers proofs in, I think, for the Impact One and Two books, which are basically a collection of magazine covers f- throughout history, Ooh. which looks very nice. Oh, that'd be nice. Beautiful yeah. colours, red and blue, very strong. Um, but I bought his collected essays because um, I, I like his writing, and I just thought it would be interesting for me as kind of little subject matters. Um, and, uh, so I got that in the post, um, and I've read a few, few of them and, uh, the first, just his introduction really touches on what we were talking about last week of, um, of find, you know, trying to, uh, give some substance to what design is because most people see it as a sort of inconsequential part of day to day, like areas or yeah. whatever. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting to read. Um, my only thing is the typesetting in it. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Really? It's very heavy font. So it's very yeah yeah it's like a medium weight font and um it's quite hard oh. to read but yeah nice ni- nice nice book though um yeah. so yeah I've been yeah, reading I've got that. a couple of their books right I haven't got any of those. I I've got the I've got the Lubelin Lubelin one I've got um Ken Garland one I've got another one kicking around somewhere as well but I can't remember what yeah always beautifully put together yeah nice nicely packaged. Um, and, uh, what else been doing? Um, fighting with clients as always. Uh, I was meant to go and see teenage fan club with spud, uh, on yesterday, Uh, but I couldn't because there's no one here to help me out. So, do you know, that does clear up uh, a question I had about, um, uh, Spudlington, Nick Barber, Spudlington on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, he posted a picture about something about, and on my way to see the fannies (laughs) and I didn't know what he was talking about. Oh, so uh, now I know. Yeah, that's the name for the fannies. And um, yeah, um, and I've had broken internet, and I've got a broken iPhone as well. So just oh, just to add, just to add to the stretch, it's just, the battery. Um, it just keeps going on it, um, even when it's like seventy uh. percent. And uh, they've done a recall, a sneaky one of those sneaky unpublicized oh. recalls on ones from late last year, uh, which are just. Um, yeah, just shutting down. So it will shut down at, you know, 50%, 70%. Yeah. And then when you plug it in, it goes back to the 70% of the battery. Yeah. But you, but you can't activate the phone until you've plugged it into electricity. So it's obviously an error. So is that going to be a, a free swap for a replacement one? No, they're going to mend it. Annoying. Oh, I see. Yeah. But I lose, yeah. Well, it, for, usually... I lose it for a week. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're going to have to go back to a Nokia 3210. Yeah, well, yeah. I've got a, no, I've got an old Motorola. <laughs> Is it a flip phone? <laughs> no, I've never never been into clams. <laughs> I always wanted a flip phone. I thought they were cool. Really? I see Apple have uh, put a patent in for a, a flip phone with a, a bendable, foldable OLED screen. Hmm. Which seems to me like something that's probably 10 years away, yeah. I think like quite, quite a lot of Apple's um, patents, they're really quite vague. It's yeah. like, this is a patent for a phone with a bendable screen and it folds in half and that's kind of it. You know, there's no technical spec. It's just a concept. Really. Yeah. As they probably just shower the patent office with things. Yeah. yeah. Should we get down to some news? Yeah, why not? <laughs> well, the f- first bit of news I saw this week uh, was an article in The Guardian uh, about David Hockney has been invited to create some stained glass for Westminster Abbey to celebrate the Queen's 65th um, Jubilee. Um, and it goes on to talk about how there's nothing wrong with contemporary stained glass but there's everything wrong about it being in a medieval cathedral. Um, I kind of agree. Um, I, I can't think of any nice stained glass that I've seen in a kind of historic setting. I always think it looks just too incongruous. Um, I love medieval stained glass, but I love I love contemporary stained glass. I think never the twain should meet. Um yeah, so that would be interesting to see what Hockney does, because I absolutely love Hockney, um, fellow Yorkshireman. Um, and I love a lot of the stuff he's done recently as well. But, um, yeah, what, have you got any views on modern stained glass? <laughs> uh, no, not really, no. But um, I think that uh, it's all about the manufacture of the glass, isn't it? And so many of the skills have been lost over the years. Um that the colours are different, um, the type of glass is different, so it's really hard to get that bejeweled mm. effect. Um, so, but I guess they that, the thing with contemporary glasses, they don't try for that effect. No, exactly. So, but you know, like you say, if you if you're then putting that into yeah. a, a you know a beautiful vaulted um, gothic arch, is it going to look right? I don't know. Um, but yeah. Hockney Hockney's style is very bold and outlined isn't it and um it is uh very defined so i wonder whether that it will look it'll be interesting to see why not i'm sure they'll just yeah. but when they just take the old panels out and keep them somewhere and, you know when, when he uh when i he, guess so i don't know if it says where it's going to be in the abbey um no no i don't think so it's one of those yeah. stories that doesn't actually confirm anything in it yes <laughs> Um, yeah. What have you got? Uh, talking of things where they don't confirm anything. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about truth in media and um, it's kind of tied up with what we were talking about last week and also this week uh, in, you know, in when you're operating in echo chambers, as it were. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a perfect example, this story of um, journalists not doing their work properly. Uh, it's um, and it's through the occasional um, blog post by a guy called Charles Arthur, who used to be technical uh, technology editor at the Guardian. Um, really, mm. really good journalist. Um, really analytical and into data and stuff. And he writes this. Yeah. It's called the Overspill. Um, his blog, theoverspill.wordpress.com. Uh, and I think every week or so he posts like lots of little snippets of links um, with his cultural comment on it. So it's really, really interesting to read. But he's um, Facebook have got a drone called a queer, queer which they've been developing, and um, it's they're 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 designing it to provide internet uh, yeah. a- accessibility for anyone in the world by just creating kind of like this this flying net of yeah. internet access. Um, and it's a it it's basically about a report um, from the Verge, who are rather over keen. Um, tech journalists and how they 
are sort of not looking at the truth. And it's the second time this guy's fallen for a corporation basically lying to him about uh, some news. So the basically the drone crashed um, or was substantially damaged. Um, but they yeah. said they had told him that it was a really successful flight uh, and unqualified <laughs> well, the success. The flight was successful. It was the landing. Yeah. The <laughs> but it's kind of that, that is that reporting that we're really falling prey to at the moment in in the world, yeah. especially online world, um, where a story is reported um, like PR spin. The journalist hasn't done the research to find out whether that's true or not, believed it, reported it, and then the, the story then gets repeated uh, ad nauseam. Um, and yep. it's incredibly dangerous. Uh, and we've seen the results of what happens starts happening, that people just stop believing or they become so siloed in the kind of news that they consume that they will never see any of the opposite you know sides to the argument yeah and uh, it's something i've just you know got my eye on at the moment um yeah it's interesting you saw that it was a, a story about facebook because obviously they've been under fire for not clamping down on fake news uh, kind of postings on facebook well, I think, that, you know, yeah, week, that just yeah. rings the bell again, doesn't it, for them? Um, you yeah. know, the fact that the, um, I think there was another news item that I saw very briefly the other day where they've it's been, they've been developing filtering systems for Chinese government. Is that right? I think off the top of my head, I didn't delve into it. So I'm, I'm uh, guilty here of reporting news that I haven't read anything about, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I don't think that they're a very trustworthy corporation. Or, no, or, or any, I, I, they're all self-serving. That's they? it, particularly when they get to a certain size as well, don't they? They forget about all the ideals upon which they were founded. Yeah, you know, Google, don't be evil or whatever it is. Don't do evil. Don't do bad things. Whatever it was, um, you know, and they're just as big a corporate behemoth as as anyone else these days, with profits at the centre of their philosophy, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I just just don't believe anything anyone tells you, and and check the facts if you can. Uh, it's not to say that you need to be cynical about every single fact that you ever read, but you know, if yeah. there are statistics there, then then read them. I mean, we 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 consume, you know, we feast upon this news that gets poured out of all these different news outlets, but sometimes uh, that news is is not uh, as truthful as it could be. Well, I think that's it's interesting you say that you know check things because i think there's such a a flood of news coming from all different sources these days that people have probably got uh, their attention spans have probably just shortened to the point where you know they don't read long articles they don't read anything in depth they read headlines and um sound bites and you know little bits on facebook um, uh, yeah, and no I, one ever sort of delves into it. But I think media outlets also are so desperate for revenue that they haven't, they can't afford to one get really good journalists and two spend time on developing stories that might not go anywhere. You know, or you know, almost like R and D for you know research for um, for stories to follow. They're just literally regurgitating what the next you know what a PR agency has spat out about a corporation. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's, um, uh, yeah, there's a, uh, there's what, there was a story that I've got here in my news as well about um, uh, that it tries to make a big story out of something that isn't. Um, so this one is about, um, is is VR about to revolutionise um, the digital art industry? Uh, and the story is just a, uh, there's a there's a thing called tilt brush that's been made by i think it's google actually who are making it um and it's kind yeah. of like you can wear a headset and you can draw in 3d space and um, every single drawing and painting that i've seen of it just looks absolutely rubbish um and this article purports that you know it's uh what was i'll directly quote it here it says um every now and again something comes along that shakes the creative industries wildly causing art directors to spin with excitement and changing everything forever um, yeah, yeah, it's not, and it's not. It's just one person at three four three industries who are the Halo <laughs> manufacturers said that they liked using it. That's it. That's the story. Yeah. When you dig into it. Um, it is not going to revolutionise art. People do not consume art in three dimensions. Yes, it's interesting. Yes, it 
could be amazing for world building and for games making, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But people are not going to start drawing in three dimensions when you've no. got when you've got a pencil and a right. piece of paper. <laughs> for games and entertainment, I think it's uh, it's going to be a huge thing. Um, I mean, some of the uh, illustrations on that article are by Sparth Nicholas Bouvier, who's just one of the best concept artists around. Was the is the creative lead on all the Halo right. sci-fi video games. Um, so he's been doing some stuff in Tilbrush, and I've seen a few bits and pieces on Twitter. But yeah, it's how it's. I don't think there's going to be that revolution in how we consume stuff. Certainly not for a long time. So it's still going to be quite niche. Um, Video games, yes. Anything else, no. Right. Clever tech. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that yeah. it, it, as a part of the sort of talking about journalism and talking about truth, I think, you know, this is this is sort of the, the crass side of it where just things get, yes. you know, absolutely the story. There's no story in there whatsoever about, VR revolutionizing art industry. It's just literally a couple of people have said, yeah, it was really good fun. And that's what yeah. the story is. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's that whole thing, isn't there, about, you know, we're not prepared to pay for news. So can we be surprised when it's puff pieces and, you know, yeah. what have you? Yeah, you said that before. That's true. Oh, yeah. what, else? what else you got? Uh, we were talking about Black Mirror last week and Creative Review have got um, an article and a bit of a some comments from uh, the art, is it the art director? The production designer, Joel Collins, who works for Painting Practice, which is a British uh, visual effects company. Um, and they just talk a little bit about how they go about putting together the the look of the different episodes, you know, because each one has got a different director and uh, editor and, um, they all kind of have their individual looks. So it's quite nice. Um, it talks about them kind of episode by episode. So I haven't read it all because I didn't want to read any spoilers because I haven't finished watching it yet. Um, the thing that surprised me most was the first um, couple of episodes, Nosedive, uh, well, no, not the first couple, Nosedive, which is the one about the with Bryce Dallas Howard in kind of L.A. with the kind of social ranking stuff. Uh, and the following one, San Junipero, about the kind of time-traveling kids, uh, were both filmed in South Africa when, you know, they couldn't look more American. No, it surprises me when you find out things are filmed in completely different places, like World War Z being filmed in Glasgow and not America and things like that. Full metal What's jacket. The biggest... Full Metal Jacket was a big one, wasn't it? Filmed in Docklands yeah. instead of uh, Vietnam. Yes. Uh, but a good little article. Always nice to get an insight into the creative process, particularly if it's something that I know nothing about. <laughs> the nosedive one was good, wasn't it? Bright, that Bryce Dallas Howard, she, really? she's good, isn't she? Um, I didn't realise yeah, she's, she's Ron fantastic. Howard's daughter. Oh, no. I didn't yeah. either. There you go. Oh. Getting you into space. <sighs> What's uh, your next bit of news? Good question. <laughs> oh, I've seen um, one of my, my favourite one of my favourite designer artist techie guys, Brendan Dawes, has got a new oh, uh, pr- project out. Have you seen his airline tickets that he's produced? They're, I haven't. Ah, right. They're they're great. They're basically um, they're available at the richardgoodallgallery dot com, uh, which is a gallery in manchester uh you can follow the link to it their their website is absolutely terrible so it's really hard to see the actual images but if you go to one of my most hated um sites which is creative block um block which is yeah which is the one that had had written that thing about the uh i can't see it but um basically He's recreated airline tickets from famous films oh, and oh, filled really cool. out the uh, the information. For example, just off the top, I can't get to the link at the moment, but there's the guy from Pulp Fiction uh, and his flight to <clears> Amsterdam, <throat> his return to Amsterdam. Oh, okay. And then there's a flight to Casablanca. Um, <laughs> and there's the uh, the one into um, L.A. for um, 
oh what's his name in Die Hard oh John McLean yeah Die Hard yeah yeah uh, and uh, oh, that's brilliant but he's obviously found the original what the tickets would have looked like and created them historically and you can buy buy the yeah. prints and I think for a piece of art oh, they're right. two hundred and fifty quid each um, which yeah. is quite a lot of money but you know he is going to be a collectible artist I think you know if, if you yeah. saw his um his movie ones that he cut up stri- strips of oh what are they called um cinema redux have you seen those oh, ones okay. so basically what yeah. he did is he took a stream of um their their long <laughs> landscape pictures of like lo- lots of strips of uh of film and what he did is he took a dvd rips and ripped like one tiny segment of frame one and then the next frame along a little segment so they're like you know, imagine lots of vertical strips all together, all the way yeah. through the film, and he just ripped those. He had to get permission off, obviously, all of the, uh, yeah, yeah. all the all the uh, studios. But they look brilliant; they really do. Clever stuff. Clever stuff. Uh, my last bit of news is um, Apple have released a festive TV advert called Frankie's Holiday. And it's one of the strangest things that I've seen come out of Apple since the G4 Cube. Um, it's a really weird ad. I mean, we both said it uh, It was strange and it seems more like an ad for John Lewis or M&S than uh, a tech company. Um, and it features Frankenstein's monster wandering into a a village that's celebrating Christmas um, where he proceeds to screw in two coloured light bulbs into his neck and start singing a carol and then one of his lights goes out and a little girl comes and screws it back in for him and everyone starts singing and it's odd and very unapple and I don't even think it's that good I mean the production is you know good but it doesn't yeah. seem to do it's, anything it's not me. funny it's, or warm or in, no or it's just weird um do you think this is them getting ready to produce tv content i, I really don't know i mean it's not a very good advert for them if it is uh, like you say there's no charm about it you can imagine on paper you know it, it might be a real tearjerker but they haven't captured any of that in the final advert. He, he doesn't look um, like Frankenstein. He doesn't. <laughs> um, and the, he, uh, yeah, there's, there's zero charm about it. Um, it's a real misstep, I think, from Apple. Yeah. Last year's, was it last year's or the year before, was quite good where it showed a kid throughout the kind of Christmas period and he was always, always on his phone and people were kind of tutting at him. And then at the end of the thing, he'd been putting together a video and he'd been filming everyone and he shows this amazing video, heartwarming video to everyone at the end. And that was a good ad. And it was done well and it really kind of tugged your uh, emotional strings. But this one, nothing. (laughs) So a bit weird. Very strange. Um, and that's it for my news. Do you want to start talking about your um, the cultural black hole? So how did we get onto this, by the way? Well, I, I think it occurred to me because... Well, I think I'd mentioned it on PATH, the social network that we were both on a while ago. Um, and I think I'd started off by saying, um, I've never seen any of the Godfather films. Which, for someone who... Uh, I guess for someone of our age in our industry interested in cinema is a is a big is quite a big surprise but the thing about not seeing a film um that's you know that was kind of that successful and that critically acclaimed is i know lots about it you know i can recognize quotes from it or clips from it when i see it on the telly or um so it's this strange Thing that my knowledge kind of bends around you know I haven't seen it but I'm aware of it so it's for me a cultural black hole are those things that are kind of so big that it's a surprise 
that you haven't seen them or listened to them or read them. Um, yeah. Ah, okay. I mean, I think it's it's part taste because obviously you choose to watch certain things or not, and it's part age and it's part look. Um, yeah. Um, so I wrote on our notes some of those things that have a cultural weight that lend their absence from my life uh, and importance of their own films generally critical hits rather than commercial blockbusters that are so highly regarded the fact that I've never seen them seems to look like an intention is it maybe in a few cases a kind of perverse stubbornness sets in in others it's just a continued accidental absence Um, but yeah I think it's the fact that they're not, as Donald Rumsfeld would say, unknown unknowns. They're known unknowns. So they're just big cultural things that I know about but have never uh, experienced firsthand. Oh, so right, Godfather okay. films definitely sort of ticks that box for me because, you know, at school, college, you know, everyone's seen the Godfather films. We talked about them. Um, and I probably talked about them with my friends when I used to play role-playing games and, you know, and people would quote them. And I'd always be aware of what they were quoting. And But for some reason, I've never seen any of the three Godfather films. I think in the case of the third one, that's no bad thing. See, I know, I know that the third one is critically panned and the second one is supposed to be the best, but... I can't actually verify that from my own experience. <laughs> and there's actually one that you can get. I don't know if you can get it. You, my friend had it on VHS where it's the two first two cut together in kind oh, really? of, yeah, chronological order, which is a r- really good one to watch actually. Um, oh. So you get most of the second one, then then it starts slicing between the two. Um, yeah, I yeah. think that was produced for American TV and he got a hold of it or something like that anyway. But yeah, I mean, those, those are films that I've got, got, I've got, I've, this is going to be quite funny because I've kind of seen cultural black holes as something else <laughs> entirely where it's kind of like you, when, you know, you stumble upon the, I'm talking about the unknown unknowns that you stumble upon that you really love now, but before it, you didn't yeah. know anything about. And I found that really, really hard to, uh, to find things because obviously before you found them you don't know about them and when you found yeah. out about them and then become really into them you, you kind of forget that you never knew anything and i guess all, all all kind of learning any kind of learning is is that same experience over and over again to varying de- degrees isn't it um yeah it is <laughs> i guess my my listening to uh philip glass this week has been a little bit like that because i knew a bit of him yeah but i but um I'm now a complete fan. And I was thinking today, actually, is there a, you know, the Germans have words for kind of everything. Yeah. I wonder if there's a German word for like a a pre-grief that you feel for someone before they've died because you've just fallen in love with their stuff when they're quite old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, there must be a word for that. There must be. Yeah. To look that one up. Yes. Um, well, I think I'll with my my list. ones, there the are things that I yeah I've got black holes about. Definitely classical music and things that I want to. But that that yeah that kind of got me thinking again about going back to the whole uh, echo chamber thing. Um, yeah, you can't force yourself to want to like cultural things that clash with your personality, can you? No, so absolutely. it's very hard. It would be hard for me to ever like. I don't know. Um, I don't know, clubbing, <laughs> I think is one of them. <laughs> I never like clubbing. I don't, you know, I don't mind some, but I'm not into clubbing. You know, it's just not my thing yeah. and uh, I will never be into it. So that's something that, I, you know, that cu- whole culture I've managed to avoid my entire life. <laughs> yes. is that, that That's one of those Me things. Too. But um, I kind of, yeah, like you say, l- the light bends around that whole world. Um, yeah, uh, but classical music is definitely something that I'm really, really interested in. And it's funny you talked about the book that you were um, the the history, a short history of of England, was it or Britain mm-hmm. um, of England? Uh, has anybody out there got a, one about classical music? Because I cannot find one. You know, other than buy some kind of dummy's guide to classical music, I would love to read a book that 
taught me about the history of classical music that gave me kind yeah. of some kind of lead lead into it because it's such a vast subject and there's so much classical music i don't understand it so where do you you know where do you start um it's daunting isn't it yeah um, really you know, daunting such a huge something with such a huge scope that you know nothing new yeah i guess it's about. a bit like wine isn't it you know i know the ones i like uh, like like the classical music that i listen to I, I listen to it over and over again but how do you start expanding out of that it's really really hard isn't it and then you've got all the yeah. different variations of the same music in different keys or played with different instruments or different time pieces yeah. it's really it's not like listening to pop music it's really complicated um so yeah, yeah I, I i would like to get into that and and the other one is art history I, I wrote in my notes that you know i came out of a i had a classical education uh for most of my school life and i came out with no knowledge of art history or classical music <laughs> <laughs> oh yes but your is, essays on cicero <laughs> yeah but i mean yeah. art history is something i've had to teach myself but i still got massive gaps in it and something that i just absolutely love by Buy yourself the story of art by E.H. Gombrich. Right. Read that, and okay. you'll be fine. Thanks. Problem there you go. gone. That's the one. So you, you, we need a version of that for classical music. Yeah. Where, where is there one? I'm sure there is one. People of the world. There must be. Yeah. Mm. It's weird you talked about the echo chamber because I was thinking when I read your note about echo chambers, I was thinking, well, I wonder if some of the things that I think of as cultural black holes that you know my contemporaries would be surprised that I had no knowledge about, like the godfather films or the fact that i haven't listened to a radiohead album since the bends um which seems to shock everyone sort of that i work with well i never knew you were a deep sea diver <laughs> sorry <laughs> um it, uh, that's a an echo chamber thing isn't it because you surround yourself with with people of a, a like mind so that those those gaps seem bigger than they perhaps are you know if i stepped out of that echo chamber and talking to other people they might think well is it a big deal that you haven't seen the godfather neither have i or you know who likes radiohead so it's the the importance of these gaps can only be judged by the company you keep in a way yeah that's a really that's a really good point i mean one of them uh, i met a really inspirational person when i was in um doing this art thing out in Texas a few years ago. And uh, he kind of, you know, we were very similar in tastes and things, but he was into so, such a different, you know, he's into graffiti um, and kind of that, you know, the the scuzzy sort of homemade magazines and zines, you know, so we're into creative stuff, but he just introduced me to so much cool stuff that I'd never even, you know, come near that. um, Yeah. I really enjoyed you know the the friendship that we had when we were do, doing that little bit of traveling it was really interesting yeah. to know somebody that was so so different to me but still touched the kind of you know those venn diagrams with there were mixes there it wasn't completely you know poles apart from each other yeah and it's did those, you come away from that friendship sort of one percent cooler no never uh, i'm not cool enough i was too un you know <laughs> totally uncool for school um but yeah i think uh, <laughs> I think, you know, if we were talking we, last week, we touched on it, didn't we, about not having not known about design, but still getting into design. Yeah. Um, what would have happened if, you know, if you'd have, if you, if you'd had become really knowledgeable about design as a teenager, um, what would that have done? I don't know where I'm going with that question. <sighs> well, no, I think if I, well, that's more if I'd been a decent student, I think. Um, you know, if I'd followed through instead of getting kicked out of two art colleges, then, you know, who knows where, to, where I'd have ended up. My, you know, my plan was to go to the London College of Printing and become a typographer. So I don't know what would have happened. <laughs> Very different. Yeah. Were you ever uh, going to go into something related to medieval literature <laughs> no I, I, sorry i laughed then not with scorn for your subject matter but the, but i was trying to 
in the back of my mind to think what what you could do with a career in medieval literature <laughs> well it would be uh, curating was what i really wanted you know i think i had a sort of you know, well, okay. a thing of doing uh doing a, an ma an ma or whatever and then going into a museum and doing curating yeah. on, on stuff but uh i couldn't afford it by the time i hit the end of university plus i hadn't got a brilliant degree so um yeah i i think um yeah, this isn't about cultural black holes, really. But it was um, it was more talking about being in. Yeah, you could, we were talking about last week about designers who that you meet in design uh, agencies that are really good designers, but they are not into the whole world of design at all. They, you know, they have no real interest in it. They have no interest in things around it, like music and art and stuff. Um, have you, you met lots of people like that in studios? A surprising amount. Yeah, and um, yeah. Um, and it absolutely um, baffles me. I don't know how you can spend, you know, forty five hours at forty five hours a week, uh, minimum, doing something and have not just no passion for it, but but not to have picked up um, sort of a, a bre- some sort of breadth of knowledge about the industry and the people in it and the work, you, you know the the work outside of the little bit that you're doing. But that makes you different to them. And and that makes, you know, because I think that that's, um, you know, my interest is, is similar to yours, but uh, I read read the line that I underlined here in the Adrian Shaughnessy introduction is that, you know, um, despite the fact that graphic design is often deployed for serious matters, medical instructions, road signage, the dissemination of vital information, for example, it is rarely a subject of part pressing interest, unless, of course, you are a graphic designer. And even then, designers are usually too busy to spend time reading about their craft. For professionals driven by the twin demands of financial survival and the need to constantly produce high quality work, there is not much time left for serious reading about the subject. Um, and I know he's talking there about reading about, you know, uh, kind of theory of design, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that also sums up people, a lot of people in studios who are just busy people who, you know, have a life outside of design and therefore they, it's just a job to them. Um, no, I do get that. But I, it's the it's people who, and they are in the minority, but it's people who just it seem entirely blinkered to everything but the very specific niche that they're in within graphic design um to to kind of not even be aware of you know the bigger industry absolutely amazes me no it's definitely a food for thought (laughs) yeah i don't know where we were i took us i took us down a real black hole there didn't i do you know another (laughs) one of my black holes is an, on, is, are actually black holes uh, <laughs> space you know anything outside earth yeah. i have no knowledge about whatsoever and not only do i have no knowledge about it but i have no real desire to know about it the only bit that i would oh. ever want to know about it is in sci- science fiction and even then i'm struggling to understand what the hell it is they're talking about uh, i think yeah. I, I wrote in the thing i stopped listening in science lessons in about 1986 um so i, I I have a cultural black hole there, but it's definitely a, a self-fulfilled one. Yeah, it's of your own making, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not averse to learning about it, but I just don't really, I'm not, doesn't, you know, I don't know. I don't, I'm just, maybe I'm just stupid about it, I think. Yes, you are, John. Uh, <laughs> I just can't understand the well, concepts. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I guess I've always been interested in that. So they kind of grow, don't they? You, know, you grow with the, the subject as you learn more and more about it. You know, a little bit like trying to get into classical music from a standing start, you know, is daunting and frightening and tricky. Yeah. Another tricky thing is um, I was, I've written down one of my ones was Japanese food. Um, we even, you know, we've, we've, t- we've talked about Japanese culture but um, I like cooking and Japanese food is something that I've always liked cooking. And I kind of gone from, I've never been to Japan, so I've never eaten, you know, I've never gone into somebody's house and eaten Japanese food that like, so I don't, I don't know what that should taste like. (laughs) Does that sound really stupid? So I really struggle to know how I'm meant to, you know, I've been to Japanese restaurants to many, but ones in Britain generally, 
tend to be sushi bars, which aren't isn't real Japanese food. And um, yeah. so I therefore don't have any experience of what that should, you know, what it should be. I can follow recipes, etc., and I can try and get some of the ingredients. Well, but um, yeah, it would be like somebody putting together French food when they had absolutely no knowledge of the ingredients. You know, do you know what I mean? That they were they were looking at yes. they didn't know what an egg was or a, or a piece of steak they had no concept of what that what that did um and that, that's like that's medieval a uh, monks drawing rhinoceroses yeah well it's kind of like um when bruges was rebuilt um by well bits of it were sort of hacked together by british medieval or sort of victorian gothic revivalists um and when you go there it looks like it's a medieval town in many ways but so much of it is just literally british <laughs> sort of uh, enthusiasts really? at the weekends yeah getting a bit of uh you know a bit of broken mm. arch and sticking it in a wall and then sticking maybe a, a mary statue that they found somewhere and then <laughs> that kind of that belief you know you suddenly think that that's a a real medieval bit but it, a lot of it's just folly um uh oh, i'm pretty sure that's bruges um yeah so it's it's almost like that, isn't it? It's, it's like you're 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 playing with another culture when you actually have no experience of what it is. How do you get that? Well, apart from travelling to Japan, obviously. Well, there's a field trip idea for us, John. Yeah, that'd be good, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. How, how do we get to funded there. to that? Yeah, let's uh, start a Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've gone for some quite. Uh, well, you've gone for a very different approach to um, cultural black holes, haven't you? Yeah. If I, what I'm going to do, I'm going to read my little list of cultural black holes purely so that our listeners can judge me for it. Yeah. So, film, The Godfather, everything by Jean-Luc Godard, which as an art school person, I should have seen his entire works, but I haven't seen any of it. But I have embarrassingly seeing Breathless, the Richard Gere remake of Abu Uh Anything by Kurosawa. I haven't seen Rashomon, Seven Samurai, or Ran, which is shocking. Um, books. I haven't read any Dickens, apart from a snippet of A Christmas Carol at school. Um, I haven't read The Girl on the Train, The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, or Gone Girl, which it seems that everyone else has read. Well, books with it's just girl in. Books with girl in the title, yeah. <laughs> Um, and there's a whole slew of sort of contemporary British authors that I haven't read. Um, Martin Amis, Salman Rushdie, Zilly Smith, um, and dozens more that I couldn't think of. Right. Um, music, Miles Davis, Led Zeppelin, punk, classical, like you said. Um, Miles Davis, for me, for some reason, is the one that stands out that I really should have listened to a kind of blue and right. I've just never got I've, and that's one that I've meant to and just have never got around to it yeah um, which is a sort of strange black hole it's, there's no stubbornness involved maybe laziness uh, and TV the kind of one that stands out recently is Breaking Bad yeah, I haven't seen which that. I haven't seen a second of um, and everyone else has and talks about um, so that's a, a very quick skip through the cultural black holes of my life <laughs> they're, so they're, they're really random aren't they no but i mean actually to well, be fair the jean-luc godard i've I, you'd have to name i don't know i, I don't know french films so um about de souffle uh i have is have i seen that one i think i might have done what's that about i can't even remember anymore off the top of my head i have no right. idea i haven't seen it <laughs> You seen the remake? I can't even remember. I can't uh, even remember what the remake. I've, I've seen Sam, Seven well, these, Samurai, I think, but I haven't seen the other ones. I, I haven't. I've started yeah. a Dickens, but never got through it. I find him really turgid. <laughs> <laughs> I started a Tale of Two Cities, um, and I've done an English degree. I managed to get through without reading any Dickens. Um, well done. Yeah, I've read The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, um, Bit Grim, Catch Twenty, Catch Two. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I've got Catch Twenty Two. I've, right, I've read it? that and the sequel, which was awful. Um, and I've read a lot of contemporary British authors, but that's because I did English. Um, no, I haven't read a Zadie Smith though. Um, hmm. Yeah, so in poetry, I've, I've read a lot of poetry. Miles Davis definitely. I've listened to a lot of him. Um, Led Zeppelin, I'm so not into, and I'll never listen to any of their albums. Um, 
And yeah, I'm so I'm similar to you. And then all those TV shows. No, I've never watched them, but I'm not a huge TV watcher. So uh, I've missed loads yeah. of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think um, cultural black holes. Dickens is definitely one, isn't it? For two people who live, have lived most of their lives in London. Yes, <laughs> this is a bit. Um, in years to come, you, you, people will talk about um, North versus South podcast as being a cultural black hole. If you know, amongst their contemporaries, if if they're the only people who haven't listened to it, I think we've proved today that we are a cultural black hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a funny story about about being an idiot um, when I first moved up to London. <laughs> When I first moved up to London, um, I'd never had Thai food before. And my mate, uh, right. my mate Sherwood had been to um, Thailand. And uh, although I think actually when he was there with his, with his, uh, when he was traveling the world, all they did was eat McDonald's most of the time. But um, they, uh, uh, this is going back a long way, but we went to a Thai restaurant in Wim- South Wimbledon, which is where we were living at the time. So we went in there. I had no idea what Thai food was or how you ate it. I kind of knew, I knew Chinese food, but they didn't have chopsticks. And Sherwood told me this complicated way of using knife and fork. And I had to position it in a certain way. Otherwise it was really rude. And so I did all of this kind of things while he slowly killed himself laughing as I had to balance the fork on the knife. And yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh. Yeah, ah. and it's only when it, when I left that he told me that I was just he just made it all up, um. So that put me off eating Thai food for a while. What a git! But Thai food—that's that's something that just suddenly appeared, didn't it? In I don't know the nineteen nineties. I mean, not in yeah, Thailand, so. obviously, but in 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 the UK. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's when, uh, you know, when did holidays start to become popular? to thailand yeah i guess that must be something to do with it yeah Maybe there's a political so. reason did it open up in the sort of 80s and 90s i don't know to tourism yeah uh, Brinner died <laughs> yes etc um, yeah mm. um well i don't know if does that does that sum up our uh, skip through some cultural black holes oh um, i got it, my, my uh, last one though marvel comics oh that's a that's a cultural oh. black hole on purpose. I've read a few, okay. but I don't like it. Although I love comics oh. and I like kind of superhero yep. stuff, I just find them silly and pompous and silly. But I I did watch the Guardian Guardian of the Gal Guardians of the Galaxy the other day, uh, and I really enjoyed yeah. that film. I thought that was funny. Yeah, it's quite good fun. I quite like the films. I think they're all really well done, and they have a bit of wit about them, which the DC films don't seem to possess um but i only got into the marvel comics recently i I remember reading a few as a kid and they i judged them very badly compared to 2000 ad Um, i didn't think the art was very good i thought they were a bit boring um and 2000 ad was you know miles better in every regard and i didn't really start reading them again until a few years ago when the um, Marvel apps came out. You can sort of access oh, yeah, sort of, of all, the, all the comics. So I've read quite a lot, and I quite like them. Have you got a website of the week? Are we done? Are we uh, done well, with cultural black holes? I mean, I could think we. I've managed yeah, to absolutely derail your entire presentation <sighs> there. I think we 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 did justice and, and skirted around it a bit and went on a little tangent. So I didn't, uh, I haven't written down a website of the week and I can't remember if I've mentioned this one before. Um, it's, um, a tattoo studio called Tenderfoot. Yeah. Do you recall me talking? About yeah. You have tattoo studio. Has it got a weird no, strap line just, to it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. Um, so no, I don't have a website of the week. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> Um, Do you, well, my, John? Yeah, my one is I'm just I sent you uh, a an animation in the week, and uh, this is called Black Box Cool, um, and it's just a sim. It, it's it, it's only because of the animation that I'm putting it up there. Just go and have a look at it's it. Amazing. It's so cool. It's kind of like a pixel art GIF animation of a factory spitting out boxes, which kind of describes what this um, shipping company do. Um, basically, the 
the the the reason I found it is I've been listening to a new podcast which is called Do By Friday, um, and uh, it's Merlin Mann who I've spoken about before, uh, Alex Cox who works for the company that owned Black Box, and Max Temkin who is the designer behind it all, um, and this guy Max Temkin is really funny and entertaining uh, and the latest episode is they all send each other silly presents the worst presents they can possibly find from amazon so i urge you to go and listen oh, to cool. it it's really funny um but anyway the the um what's the podcast called again the podcast is called um do by friday okay and uh the max tempkin came up with a game called cards against humanity have we spoken about that before it's a card game it, we might have mentioned it yeah um, and anyway, I think basically built on the back of that, uh, obviously sending out lots of packaging, they've built a sort of a fulfillment company, which sounds quite cool. So if you're a small producer of art prints or whatever, they'll do all of the, they'll do all of the packaging for you, um, and fulfillment. Um, so you just bolt on your shop on the front and they do the rest, take a cut. Um, but it's just the animation and I can't, for now I, I, Sadly, can't find the name of the artist who did it, but his Tumblr is absolutely it's, awesome. Um, yeah, I'll fantastic. find that and put it in the show notes. <laughs> Rob. Yes, yes. I will get around to that eventually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right, I'm going to go and get my pie. I'm back. Robot, Hello. robot oven has cooked it successfully. Marvellous. Good. Uh, what have you got? I've got a pie minster, minister, pie minister, moo and blue. Yep. I'm not sure if you've had one of these already, have you? Uh, not that one. Okay. Because so, stick and blue cheese. Yeah, I'll take, I've taken a photo of it. It's, um, it's got, I think they've put semolina or something. It's got sort of yellow stuff over the top of it. It's a pie, maybe uh, five inches diameter. Um, very crispy. I'm going in. It's beef. Excellent. With cheese. Stilton, I think. It's very cheesy. Yeah. Very hot. Mmm. Mmm. <coughs> yeah, it's a good one. Sorry, it's really, yeah. really hot. You oh. were impressed by the pies last time, weren't you? I yeah. Think. I think they got a good score from you. Yeah. Um, so... Is it mm. too hot to score? No, uh, it's, oh, it's burning, burning hot. It's bits of carrot that are like, um, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> glowing embers. Have you got anything? Uh, have you got anything cold to? No, I haven't got anything. Your burns. Nothing in the house. Um, I'm going to mm. give that a six. I'm not that keen on really strong blue cheese in things. Although I like blue yeah. cheese, I, it just takes over everything. Everything just tastes of Stilton. It does a bit. Well, who knows how much pie is going to be like because that's a bit cheesy as well. I've got a goat's cheese and sweet potato lattice pie from Tesco's. I couldn't find anywhere to buy pie in Shoreditch, so I had to get one from Tesco's on the way home. And it's a really good-looking pie, actually. So it's got a lattice pastry top covered in kind of poppy seeds and sesame seeds and flax and all sorts of things um and then it's uh it's very sort of creamy sauce inside so i'll just dive in hmm it's quite comforting it's kind of a creamy white sauce cheesy not very strong not massively flavorful really it's pleasant enough but nothing really sort of stands out the the flavour you get most is that of pastry so it's a curious one uh, I'm washing it down with a punk IPA oh, yeah. which was um, the best of the bad range from Tesco Sainsbury's way better than Tesco for beer In a, is it in a tinny or a glass bottle no it's a bottle, it's in a I, bottle. Like, I like the tinnies uh, get so this pie yeah yeah uh, this pie's getting a, a three Oh dear! Down on the pie. Fine pastry, but but really nothing to to write home about inside. So, are you excited yeah, about impen- impending? It's, I'm just looking at the diary on the wall. It's um oh, it's the first of December next week. 
Well, so it's going to be. There's not an excuse to delve into mince pies. Ding dong, merrily on high. Uh, I made it. Oh, I made a Christmas cake. I didn't say that I, I made a Christmas cake with my oh, daughter on oh. Tuesday. Stir up, stir up Sunday. Yeah, well, I think oh, that's for puddings, Tuesday. isn't it? Well, we started it on Sunday, and then oh, it? it all, you know, things got life got in the way. We had to yeah. soak soak a load of uh, uh, raisins in brandy, which I found uh, um, mm. have a really good calming effect on a two year old. <laughs> I bet they do. <laughs> <laughs> good work. Um, so yeah, next week Christmas is upon us. Um, so we'll be uh, we'll be eating mince pies. Hmm. So get a bottle of sherry or a bottle of port to hand. Yeah. And uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll be doing a Christmas shopping special, uh, kind of like presents to buy, ideas, what you're gonna, what do you want? We'll just do the whole show on that. Oh, uh, we can just do like a wish list, and our uh, listeners all, all yeah, send us they gifts. can buy us stuff. But yeah, no, what you got, what things you want, things you got, good presents that you uh, had, really bad presents that you've had in the past, um, things you always get bought that you hate. Uh, yeah. Let's do, we'll do that in a couple of weeks time. Um, and we may have a special guest for that, that I've been speaking to. Finally. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, yeah. On my list is definitely going to be a new pair of headphones because I just got a really bad electric shock in my left ear. <laughs> <laughs> really bad. That hurt. Yeah. <laughs> right. Ah. On that bombshell. Well, John, it's been a, it's been a delight. <laughs> a confused <clears throat> muddle. Of Enjoy a... the rest of it. Yeah. No, I think it always seems more of a muddle when we're doing it. Always when I when better. I finish editing it at four in the morning, when you've edited and you've done your magic, I will say good night and farewell. Good night, John. Bye. Take See care. Ya.